Before we uh, approach the sermon, would you pray with me? Let's bow together. Father, you've been so good to us lately. You've been teaching us so much. You've been teaching me so much. And we're trying to learn how to be obedient to you and your word and the Spirit's promptings. And it feels like we're newborn babes sometimes, like we don't know how to toddle forward in this sometimes. And we want to do that now. And so I ask that you would please speak to us through your word, that your Holy Spirit would fill us, stir within us, and that your will would be done among us for the next few moments while we're together and for the rest of our lives. So we look to you now together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. Well, I might have expected as Sunday school is studying Acts and as I'm studying Acts and we're studying the Holy Spirit, specifically as I'm studying the Holy Spirit for this Sunday sermon, I might have expected that the Holy Spirit would dramatically redirect me at 8.30 this morning away from the sermon that I've been trying to prepare all week and had actually, in spite of everything going on this week, I had gotten to a point last night where I felt really pretty good about it. And it's sitting on my desk in there, printed out, the outline. I I felt pretty good about it. And then when I got up here this morning, I come on Sunday mornings, I try to get up here by 7, and it gives me a time for another chance to pray through things before people start arriving. People start getting here between 8.30 and 9. And the more I reviewed it and the more I prayed about it, the worse I felt about it. Not that it's a bad sermon or it's heresy or anything. I I I didn't feel settled about it in my spirit to preach Uh, to you on this Sunday. So I took a lap around the parking lot, and nothing motivates you to pray like an impending deadline to stand in front of the church body and preach, and and feeling as though you have no sermon just less than an hour before everybody's starting to arrive. And so I walked around the loop, and I just prayed out loud, okay, Father, I've, I've been studying about openness, like Don said, to the Holy Spirit and obedience and his ability to direct us and empower us. And now I feel like perhaps you're directing me away from the prepared sermon to something else. And I don't know what it is, and I don't have much time, and I, it makes me really nervous. I don't like to be unprepared up there. I don't want to be reckless and preach some half-baked sermon, and I don't want to just jam through this sermon that I don't feel like your Spirit's prompting me to preach anymore. And so I'm praying, do you just want this to be? I ran into a pastor yesterday at a basketball game and told him about the week we've had as a church, and he laughingly said, boy, this sounds like it needs to be a testimony Sunday. And he's laughing because as pastors, that's sort of a fallback. If all else fails, if you don't have your sermon together, you can just say, I feel like the Lord's leading me to make this a testimony Sunday. (laughs) And then you step back and let people give testimonies. So I was praying, should I do that? And didn't feel good about that. Should we just maybe pray together? And of course, we should always pray together, but I didn't feel like that was the route. And so is there another passage that I should preach? And I kind of did feel drawn to that. So I came back and entered into my normal Bible reading, just praying, show me what you want me to share with everybody. And so I've landed on a passage, 
I've really done my best to pray through this. I think this is the Holy Spirit guiding us here. And it's Ephesians chapter 5. And it actually begins with the two verses that I preached at Phyllis's funeral earlier this week. But the main focus will be the verses to come. Now, the book of Ephesians is a letter that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write to a bunch of ancient Christians in a city called Ephesus. So the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this letter to these Christians, and he's reminding them of what God has done for us as Christians through Jesus Christ and the new life that is ours thanks to Christ. And then in the, the back half of the book, the back part of the book, which is where we, we are, he's encouraging them to just live in light of what's true. God has brought you from spiritual death to spiritual life through Jesus Christ if you're a believer. So live like it. We get to live like that. And Paul's just explaining different ways that they're perhaps not living like that in ways that they need to live like that. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. I want to read to you before we start in chapter 5, a little bit of chapter 2 to set the tone for what we're going to study during the sermon. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, lays out in really vivid terms what God has done for us as Christians through Jesus Christ. It starts, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So here's a portrait of the before. Before Jesus Christ saved you, this was your condition. The human condition is utterly hopeless without God's divine intervention. It's spiritual death, and we're just zombies plodding along in obedience to whatever our flesh desires, whatever our minds think up, and whatever Satan, who's in charge of this world system, has designed for us to do. We just stumble through, spiritually dead. But then the good news in verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So through Jesus' death on the cross, those who believe in Jesus' death and resurrection and receive that as payment for their sins and reconciliation with God the Father are spiritually resuscitated and brought to life spiritually and no longer dead, dead to God, no longer numb to God, but alive to God and sensitive to God and now dead to sin and no longer enslaved to sin. All this has been done for you through Jesus Christ. It's done and accomplished. And he goes on in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God did all this for us through Jesus Christ, cleaned us up and newly created us. We're born again. We're brand new. We didn't do it on ourselves. It was a gift. And he did it for good works that he's prepared before us. We have a life now to live in this world. It's a new life in Christ. And it's going to look way different from the spiritual zombies that we used to be and that we're surrounded by in this world. It's a new life in Christ that we get to live. Now, with that in mind, we'll go to our main passage, Ephesians 5. And I'll read those two verses that we looked at during Phyllis's funeral. Some of you were there, but many of you weren't able to be there. Here Paul is just walking through, how do you live this new life in Christ? What does it look like? Verse 15, he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I'm not going to expound these two verses at great length because I really feel like it's the following verses that are for us this morning, but I'll just point out one of his main points in those two verses is that time is short and the days are evil, which is a strange phrase. Now, the fact that time is short is evident to us. The older you get, the more evident it becomes that time is short. I mean, think of how old you are and how when your next birthday rolls around, you almost can't believe it. I'm 35, my next birthday will be 36, and I I can't believe it. I still feel like I'm 15 or 16 in my mind, not in my body anymore, but it goes fast, and it gets faster, and it just goes fast, fast, fast. And the days are evil. Now, that's a strange phrase that needs a lot of explanation, but for our purposes, the idea is that when you wake up in the morning and swing your feet off the bed and plant them on the ground to start your day, that day that stretches out ahead of you is not neutral toward you. It's actually a threat. It's dangerous because that day is going to be lived out in this world that is dominated by Satan and completely arranged and designed to pull you away from living the new life that is yours in Jesus Christ. So the time goes fast And the world we live in and we spend our days in works against us. So he says, look carefully then how you walk. Now, I only have one illustration for this idea, and I've used it over and over again. So my hope is that you forget it, that somehow it's fresh to you, or maybe some of you haven't heard it. The Bible teaches that in this world, we are always standing in a strong current. You ever been in a body of water and there's a current? And this current is always pulling us away from walking closely with God, from walking in the Spirit, from living the new life that is ours in Christ. And it's always pulling us toward living the way we used to have to live before we were Christians. Just gratifying our fleshly desires and going along with the course of the world. So in my mind, what this brings, what helps me understand it is to think about when I was a kid and my parents would send me out into the ocean when we were at the beach and say, okay, you can go play Don't get past your waist or whatever and stay in front of our stuff. You know, we have our umbrellas and our blankets set up on the beach. You can go out a little bit into the water, but stay in front of our stuff so we can keep an eye on you. Keep yourself oriented there. 
And we would go out splashing around, and my kids do this, and maybe yours have, and you have. And then you look back to see where your stuff is, and it's not there anymore. And you see it, it's way down there, way down the beach, like 100 yards over that way. But what happened? The stuff didn't go anywhere. You did. You didn't realize it, but every time you took your feet off the ground, you were getting washed down. You were getting swept down the beach by the current. That's the way this world works. We're not in a stationary situation. If you are just treading water in your life, you're not staying in the same place spiritually. You're being drifted away, pulled away from Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, keep your eye on him. Watch carefully how you walk. Don't get pulled away. The days are evil. Stay close. And then he goes on with some application. And here's our verses, I think, for this morning. And it may be surprising to you, the first application in verse 18 of us as Christians watching how we walk so we don't drift away. Verse 18, and do not get drunk. Did you guys think that that was what I was going to say? And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. See, you were meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You were meant to be filled with God the Holy Spirit. God is not just some distant idea, and he wasn't just present on earth when Jesus was here physically before his ascension. But he's here and now, and you were meant to be filled with him. He's he's meant to be living in you, dwelling in you. Now often, we turn to other things to fill us up. Rather than being filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll fill ourselves up with something else. In this case, he's talking about wine. Apparently, the Ephesian Christians, this must have been a struggle for them. And the way I understand wine from back then, the way I understand it, it was very, very watered down compared to what we have now. So they would have had to been drinking all day long to get drunk on it. Apparently that was an issue for them. Maybe that's an issue for some of us. But it might not be wine, it might be something else. Especially in times like this week, when we begin to feel a need, when we begin to feel a need for comfort, when we begin to feel an emptiness, we want to fill ourselves with something. If not wine, maybe food. If not food, maybe just stuff. Maybe some of us, you can tell how we're doing emotionally one week by how many Amazon packages arrive the next week. Maybe we're tempted to fill ourselves with entertainment. We've got a new phrase, binge watching, where we don't just binge on food or wine anymore, we binge on entertainment. We just fill ourselves with something that will hopefully satisfy us, but it never does, so we just keep more and more and more And Paul's saying, don't, don't be filling yourself with wine or these other things. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that's available to you now. There, there was a time in your life when you didn't have the Holy Spirit. And you couldn't be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the best you could hope for was to sort of numb yourself with these other things. But that's not the case for you anymore. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And that leads to living this new life in Christ. And then in the verses that follow that I'll read, he just points out four ways that it shows itself. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he points out these four ways that it kind of comes out. And we'll read those. Verses 19 through 21. Well, actually, let me start at verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So don't be filling yourselves with these other things. Be filled with the Spirit. And as you're filled with the Spirit, you'll see these things coming about. And it's interesting that the first ones are sort of musical. The first thing he mentions is addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, we do that. Now, you probably don't walk up to one another in an interpersonal setting and just start singing to each other. But we do that. You might notice that probably about half of the songs we sing on a Sunday morning aren't addressed to God at all, but they're addressed to one another. Take the doxology, for example. Who, who are we singing to with those lyrics? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Are we singing? We're not telling God, praise yourself. There's a horizontal dimension to what we do together musically. We're building one another up and encouraging one another. And we're saying, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And this flows out of us when we're filled with the Spirit. And the second one is what you would think of musically is praising the Lord directly through song. He says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. The other half of our songs are addressed directly to the Lord, like the one we're going to sing in a few minutes, I love you, Lord. We sing to each other, we sing to him, and this flows by being filled with the Spirit. The person who is leading the singing, their job is not to get you to sing, to figure out a way to pick just the right song to create just the right atmosphere where you'll sing stuff. The person leading the singing should basically just be turning on a faucet of worship and fellowship and encouragement that's already built up in us because we're filled with the Spirit. And we're just looking for an opportunity to unleash it. And music is one of God's gifts. It's a great way to do it. And so let's sing this hymn together and we get up they're like, all right, finally, I can express this that's in my heart because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. So we build one another up. We praise the Lord. The third thing he mentions, giving thanks. Verse 20, give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you're filled with the Spirit, it fills you with gratitude. You can already see how this being filled with the Spirit is turning us outward and upward. And whereas when we fill ourselves with these other things, we tend to turn inward. And we can tend to get depressed and we can tend to get gloomy and maybe even bitter, maybe even complaining. 
But when you're filled with the Spirit, it unfurls you outward and you're, you're giving yourself outward to people and encouragement, upward to God and worship and gratitude and giving thanks. And then finally, submitting to one another in verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is just humbly living together and submitting to one another in service. The ability, because we're so filled with the Spirit that we're not preoccupied with trying to continue to satisfy ourselves, we're satisfied because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And we can look out and we can see one another and say, this family's grieving. What can I do for them? How can I serve them? This person is needy in this way. What can I do for them? How can I fulfill that need? So there you go. I hope you didn't expect more of a sermon than that because I just got it at 8.30 this morning. Here we are in a week of loss and a heavy week and you and I may find ourselves tempted to comfort ourselves and satisfy ourselves with lesser things, things of the world. Be warned that if you go that route, it will subtly pull you away from Christ. Instead, let's go to God in prayer together and ask, would you please just fill us with your Holy Spirit and stir up your spirit within us? And let's move forward with expectations for what he'll bring about in that. Fruit of fellowship and worship and gratitude and service. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all your promises related to your word, that it it never goes forth without accomplishing your purposes in us. And we pray that you would accomplish accomplish your purposes in us now. And we ask, just humbly, like little children, we just ask, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit, please? Forgive us for how we have quenched the Spirit in our lives and how we've tried to find satisfaction in other things. Lord, make us wise in how we navigate this world and how we navigate our grief and our mourning. Or may we be a people characterized by the Holy Spirit, pouring forth in fellowship and worship and gratitude and service. In Jesus' name, amen.